Hello there. <laughs> hey, man. So, uh, I have this important question for you. What's up? Lightsaber color. Go. Oh, I was thinking about this the other day because I played Fallen Order. Mm. Um, and there's, like, the yellow color. Um, that was really sick that I love playing with. But I feel like I'm a Mace Windu both sides of the Force user, so I'm going with purple. Mm, mm, that's crazy. That's crazy because, uh, see, I picked purple as well. I picked purple as well. You know, light and dark side of the Force, you know, Black Man uh, using it, and also one of my favorite characters uses it. But if I would choose another one, red. Oh, yeah. Sith Lord. <laughs> oh, yes, 100%. 100%. That's, that's where you know my alignment leads. So beware. Love it. So, yes, people, I'm Demetrius. And I'm Demetrius. And Meech and Meech presents the Blurred City Podcast. So, this is our Star Wars Spectacular. Obi Wan has just ended. So, we're going to get into the Obi Wan Kenobi. We're doing a full review, bringing back some old segments uh, that we didn't do last week, as well as into a deep dive on the Star Wars culture and fandom in general. But before we get into the fun, we're going to hit you, as usual, with the legal spiegel. And yes, so the purpose of this podcast is to explore digital and print media. All respective sources we reference are owned by their respective companies, and our thoughts and opinions are strictly our own and do not reflect any biases or corporate agendas. Your discretion is advised. Nice. Now that we got that out of the way, we're going to get into what's hot, start to see what's cooking, what's, what's on the stove, what are we eating, what's, what's hot on the streets these days. Oh man, well, firstly, them boys. Them boys kind of went straight out of pocket this last episode, but what's to be expected of this show? And then also with Kenobi ending, now everybody has all the time in the world to go and watch Miss Marvel. And it's still great, and I feel like it's starting to pick up a bit, so go ahead and start uh, binge-watching that show now, because... Uh, Lord knows everybody who watched Kenobi, now you got the free time. And just with that, in about two weeks, we're already starting to get like featurettes of the Thor Love and Thunder movie. Um, that's going to be our special episode, maybe two-parter, maybe two, two hours, but it's going to be fire. So that's definitely cooking up right now. Uh, I also heard a rumor that the Umbrella Cut at Me is back. Woo! Season three, I'm excited. Umbrella versus the Sparrows. And then also something that I'm I'm scared about. By the time we start hearing this podcast, Stranger Things, season four, part two will be back. The director has promised death. And I'm scared. I'm 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 ready to see Carnage. Uh, and final thing, um uh, call it Triple R. It's Rise, Roar, and Revolt. And I heard it's really, really good. So I'm gonna check it out in due time. But yeah, so going from there, we're bringing back our geek out freak out segment. So this is a segment where you just take your time, you try as much as possible to avoid spoilers <laughs> as reasonable, and you just freak out. So you can talk, you can send us through emails uh, or Twitter, Instagram, just like voice notes about your geek out, freak out session, even our Discord. But I'm going to talk about in the spirit of Star Wars, a lightsaber battle that was one of the most epic ones I've ever watched. So. This is going to be Anakin Skywalker versus Asad's Ventress. And if you don't know, this is from the original Star Wars The Clone Wars. So before kind of like the CGI type characters, it was more just animation based. And the creator of this was the creator of Samurai Jack. So if you've ever seen Samurai Jack, you kind of know the art style 
some of the greatest sword fights in just like animation history, as well as just like uh, the theme and feel of it. So this fight is so crazy because uh, just even thinking about it at the time. So this is one of the times where we get into Anakin before he's you know hopeful Vader, and I think like actually Anakin's story is very cool like before Vader as well. And so this fight starts off with we seeing different clones getting yoked up out of nowhere, clap left and right, RIP. And then all of a sudden you just see the Sith Lord uh, pull up. She pulls up with the double lightsabers, kind of got the hook in. So I really also love that these Siths kind of have variations in how their lightsabers come. Uh, so that was definitely cool. But this is just like. In terms of the sword fight, it goes all over the place. You kind of just see them fighting in trees, uh, jumping up, not buildings, but like kind of construction pieces and just like fighting all over. But it kind of uh, crescendos into just the rain fight. And let me tell you something, if a fight starts in the rain, I like lose my mind because it's just like like that's the ultimate geek in me just like seeing two people battle out in the rain. But this is like the first time where we see Anakin he really type taps into the dark side because he loses his lightsaber and he manages to pick up hers, which is red. And it's like knowing the sword of Anakin, okay, it's a it's like a, a teaser in a sense. And he actually taps into the anger. And as he taps into his anger, he's able to use that to defeat her and send her falling to her presumable death but this is definitely one of the first lightsaber battles where it was just like not limited by you know what humans can do and like actually having the fun with it through animation so that was something that was absolutely fire so you can type it into youtube if you just got like five to eight minutes to check out and you're grilling to lightsaber battles but anakin skywalker's versus asaz ventress ew man yeah hi and when you brought that up, I, I started getting chills and goosebumps and memories from when I actually saw that entire micro-series. And yeah, that was definitely one of the highlights of it. Like, just seeing, like, Anakin just, just tap a little bit more into his uh, Vaderness. I'm just like, yeah. yes. And of course, like, seeing him pick up that lightsaber with his robotic hand, I was like, yes. oh, I was like, oh, let's go. And yeah, just even like when he's striking her and she's like blocking back and he's in the anger, like it shows the flashes of all his like mentors and stuff. Like it's a really cool visual scene. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I just love anything Anakin related. I'm not even going to cap about that one. So I just need more, more exposure. Yes. So now that we're here, we're getting into our main portion. So... We have to do this. If you have not seen Obi-Wan Kenobi and you do not want to get spoiled, in fact, if you, we're going to get into a lot of spoilers for Star Wars in general. Um, I'm going to do my best to avoid Mandalorian spoilers, up to season two at least. But if you have not seen Obi-Wan Kenobi, we advise you now, this is your spoiler warning. So. Hear ye, hear ye. We are now commencing spoilers for Obi-Wan Kenobi. And if you refuse and keep on listening, then you will face the consequences, which is your failure. You have been warned. All right, so getting into it, how you feeling? Boy, boy. <laughs> oh my goodness, this show. This show had me from premise to cast, and then it just spiraled out of control into utter greatness. I I absolutely love the show. I I was just grinning ear to ear as I was seeing everything. 
And it was just more than what I hoped for, especially in terms of characters and story plot. Right. It was it was just some it was magical. It was, it was something that I did not realize I needed, but once I got it, I I'm keeping it nice. for yeah. life. I really enjoyed it uh, in the macro and micro perspective. I think there's like a bigger picture thing that um, when we get into the deep dive that we can talk about, that I'll bring up. But definitely is just like seeing Obi-Wan on the screen like he's we're going to get into it. But like one of the top Star Wars characters and there the plot was very streamlined. There was a lot of just like good in-depth look at Vader. I think characters uh had more some characters had more development than we previously thought they would have some kind of left but it was just like a really good series overall like to just like take six weeks six hours just kind of enjoy Mm -hmm. and most definitely i would say that uh going into like just big recaps and just like big moments of the show it's just like it's one of those things where like the whole perspective of it and like with obi-wan because in case you do not know like the story of obi-wan kenobi takes place 10 years after episode three so it's halfway between the time skip from episode three to episode four so directly in half and Pretty much in that time, you just see a weary Kenobi and just and see like how weak his connection is with the Force, you know, just being in hiding after Order 66, one of the greatest tragedies in the Star Wars mythos. And yeah, and just like how he's pretty much coping with that. It's just like, dang, this is how it really be. And for non-super Star Wars fans, just as a kind of recap, so the OG trilogy is episodes four through six. The prequels are episodes one through three, and then the sequels, that's the end of the Skywalker saga, is episodes seven through nine. So, with Order 66, this is kind of the Order of the Jet, end of the Order of the Jet, if you want to kind of get into that. Yeah, so essentially, with Order 66, of course, that's when Palpatine rises to power, becomes the Emperor. Anakin has fallen to the dark side and he's gone full Vader. And essentially Order 66 was where all the troopers, all like the clone troopers who would be the predecessor to the stormtroopers that you see in the original trilogy, turn on the Jedi and slaughter them. Pretty much almost all the Jedi are killed. The Jedi Temple where they're stationed at in Coruscant, the main planet is pretty much ransacked uh children die and and yeah so like in fact that part is really going to come into play because of not only just a couple characters in the show but also in terms of like real world implications and just unfortunate timing with what happened in real life but but yeah so pretty much jedi die pretty much the entire jedi order is basically exterminated Mm -hmm. pretty much yeah, and when we get into our kind of deep dive section of the bigger view of Star Wars, I kind of want to talk about Order 66 a bit more as, like, the world of it expands. But sticking to the Kenobi review for now, he's going by Ben because he's trying to hide out, like, all the other Je- Jedi that somehow survived. But when we first, as always, we open up on Tatooine because we are anchored to this planet <laughs> eternally but the sands of tethling but we see that the inquisitors are essentially they're jedi hunters in a sense so they have the red lightsabers they also are force users 
and they find a Jedi, essentially, and he escapes for a bit, um, but eventually gets captured, and the big thing that they're hunting for, one of them, who's a really big character, Reva, the third sister, she's looking for Kenobi, because she knows that how much he means to Anakin, aka Darth Vader. Yep, and pretty much she's on a war path, and in order to draw him out, firstly, she... Well, of course, I don't think she knew that uh, that he was on Tatooine. It was just, uh, I guess, will of the force that thing. It just happened to be that way. Right. But uh, but then she pulled some uh, some stunts. She's very, uh, very go getter kind of like very out there trying to. And as uh, many of the Inquisitors, the Grand Inquisitor and the Fifth Brother says, she's too impulsive, mm-hmm. if you will, and too ambitious. Even though they consider her. Uh, gutter trash, right. which is gonna gonna come into play very soon. So she pretty much will say like, okay, we know Kenobi. I know Kenobi's still alive, and I know he has some type of connection with the Organas. And in case you don't remember, the Organas are like the one of the higher ranking political figures in the Star Wars universe. At least one of the few that are still alive. And pretty, and they live on the planet of Alderaan. R.I.P. <laughs> and uh, and so like and they know like okay why don't we just uh, kidnap the daughter who happens to be Leia Organa let's just kidnap have her get kidnapped and then we'll we'll see if Kenobi comes out of hiding for that yes so from there uh, he gets reached out to for help then we kind of get a cool well it turns into like a daddy daughter uh, kind of surrogate situation where he has to go find her what I really kind of want to get into with like the at least the first two episodes of where they really highlighted Leia I think she kind of got not phased out but less of a role as it went on but do you think like ever since the new trilogy they've been trying to kind of redeem leia's legacy in a sense because mm-hmm. we talked about it last week with like the um in the woman episode where the infamous bikini but like also just kind of like a sideline sex character in a sense yeah i do kind of think so because of the fact that like in the new trilogy you know leia kind of Kind of not really all that there. You know, like episode seven, she barely appears towards the end. We do know in real life that the actress Carrie Fisher did pass away though. Yeah, that RV, but that was actually episode eight when she passed. Among but, yeah. But among other things. But yeah, so like she's pretty much like out of commission for most of episode eight and then fortunately they just had to use stock footage for her for episode nine. Um but like her characterization I feel like is kind of it's kind of it was kind of like a watered-down version of how she was in the original trilogy. So I think this is kind of like Disney's way of kind of like, okay, let's try to uh, let's try to make sure like Leia is the headstrong, the, the awesome female character that she was in the OG trilogy that many women grew up with and fell in love with. Yeah, so, yeah, that was really cool, but just going from there, like, we kind of see her very rebellious. Um, she doesn't believe that Obi-Wan is a actual Jedi, because he's not using any of his Jedi powers. He's not really openly showing the lightsabers, which you shouldn't. Uh, but there's also this really cool scene where they think they run into a fake Jedi named Haja. And <laughs> it's really funny. Um, he's a very well-known actor um, getting the double Disney bag. But 
it's just really cool. So he offers them a way off the planet. And then in episode two, I believe, a really cool scene where Reva's hunting uh, the both of them. And she corners Kenobi. And it's like, it's the first time where she's like, I can feel your fear. And I really love how they did the part of like, when we first see Obi-Wan, he is like terrified of just like anything Jedi related, anything with the Force. Like he's the like the gunslinger that like has lost his touch in a sense. Yeah, or like the reclusive samurai in many different like anime and looking at you, Ron Kenshin. Um, but but yeah, so like Kenobi's pretty much like he pretty much had to cut himself off from the Force, not pretty much be active for for pretty much 10 years and also don't forget the fact that uh owen clapped back at him with the biggest clapback of all time which became a meme in and of itself where you say like oh yeah luke needs to be trained like you trained his trained his daddy i was like oh that 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 hurt but but what really hurt was when reba decided to announce to kenobi like oh yeah we're gonna take you to lord vader mm. Oh, oh, you didn't know because she sensed like just his utter shock and his utter despair. Just the fact that, yeah, Anakin's alive and he is looking for you. Yeah, and we're about to have some fun. But then at the end of it, we see her kill the Grand Inquisitor who kept telling her to stop over and over because the hunt was just getting out of control. But she kills the Grand Inquisitor, blames Obi-Wan. And then she positions herself to kind of rise up the ranks. And what I didn't expect to see is we actually get a lot of Darth Vader in this show. Oh, yes, yes. And this is where it's, it's about to go down. Because firstly, played by Hayden Christensen, a.k.a. the actor who played Anakin in the prequels. And, and it's just... It's just so much of a just and we still get the OG voice. Yep, we still get James Earl Jones as the voice of Darth Vader and boy, let me tell you something. Darth Vader, he was he was out here from episode three onwards. It was over. It was it it stopped being the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. It became the Obi-Wan and Vader show. 100 percent Because this man this man machine monster is a utter demon. <laughs> and I'm gonna get more to it later, but oh my goodness. Like, yeah. oh my goodness. Just even saying off the show, I really love how Vader's presentation, like post the OG trilogy, is like in whatever medium we see him, he's always a problem. Like I believe it was the end of Rogue One where he just absolutely wrecks people. Like one of the one of the great Vader scenes um in there. And also in Order 66, where if you play that game, if you try to fight him, you die. Like there's no choice to fight him. Like it's literally like the the objective is run. That's all you can do. Um, and just like, like, even in the comics, he's much more savage, which I haven't read the comics, but I heard that like, he is like unstoppable in the comics. And just even with this, like the first time we see him, he walks up, he's like, oh, I see you uh, civilians, townspeople chilling in your houses. I'm looking for, for Obi-Wan, pulls people out of the house with the force, chokes them, tosses them aside. People are like, no, stop, neck, neck snap. Like, he's not playing in this. Like, he's like, give me Obi-Wan right now. Like, this man is out here murking kids like it is a, it is a hobby for him. And, of course, like, of course, this is the first time Obi-Wan gets to see 
Darth Vader, seeing what has become of his apprentice, and it terrifies him. It would terrify me too. I ain't even gonna cap. But but like when it comes to Darth Vader, right? He's just pretty much like okay. So in terms of his characterization, right? Normally he's like the stoic. He's kind of like the like silent, efficient, deadly type. When it's when he's with Kenobi, all of that goes out the window. He is like he's pretty much torturing this man. He is having too too much fun at the expense of Obi Wan. Like he is dogging him with with not only his lightsaber abilities but with the Force. And do you want to touch on that scene in Episode Three? So yeah, so just building up how we get there. So Haja, the fake Jedi, gives uh, coordinates to Obi Wan and Leia to get to this new planet. He says, "I have a contact on this." planet that'll get you to a safe place where you need to be so they end up taking a ride from an alien that wants to make the empire great again oh my goodness <laughs> who's loyal to the empire uh so he he dimes them out but then we see that this new character who is actually one of the commanders in the empire tala who's a really good character in the show she was the contact so she helps them escape, and she's going to kind of get them to more of an escape pod off the planet. So, like, a lot of the show is escaping from one planet to the next. But, so, she has this safe house. She goes through the tunnels. This is when Vader pulls up, and Obi-Wan is like, oh, I have to distract him. So, he runs off, and Vader just feels his energy. He's like, yo, I'm, I'm a 1v1 me, bro. And so... He laced up the Black Air Forces. So he pulls out the lightsaber and he's like, okay, it's go time. And then Obi-Wan pulls it out and he's like completely phased, like just scared. And Vader, like what's really cool is that like Vader, how he's so different from Anakin is that like he's a purely one arm fighter with his lightsaber. And that's just how strong he is. And the difference in experience in terms of just like act, being active with lightsaber is evident. So after he like overpowers Obi-Wan, he proceeds, there's this oil spill. So then he proceeds to set the oil on fire, force chokes Obi-Wan, lifts him up, then throws him in the fire and drags him face first through the flames. My God. Literally through the fire and the flames on this dude. And it was just like, that was an insane scene. Like they managed to escape, which is, this is actually one of the first times that I want to kind of touch on it. Why do so many... I know why they actually do it, but why do, like, so many people not, like, check to see if people are dead? Like, he literally just, like, lets Obi-Wan escape. All right, so I think uh, in terms of Vader, right, he, as I said, like, this... Whenever he's dealing with Obi-Wan, like, all of his inhibitions, all, of, like, his, uh, like, smart thinking just goes out the window, and he's pure vengeance. So I think in the case of him, he's like... Okay, I'm, he's just gonna draw out the draw out the encounter and make and just make it as savory as torment as tormentous for Obi Wan as possible. So I think that's the only reason why he let him go. It's like, okay, I'm a I'm gonna ride this one out. Yeah. So to figure out from there, now it's like the Obi Wan recovery scene, and then we get into our next episode. Oh, yes. So in this episode, basically, uh, unfortunately, Leia does get kidnapped once again in the midst of the Obi-Wan and Vader 
massacre because that was not a fight. Not fight. But uh, but yeah. So she gets kidnapped and is taken to the Fortress Inquisitus, which is the same place you go to in Jedi Fallen Order. And uh, and you actually get and Obi Wan gets there in almost the exact same way. So I'm like, what is going on here? But basically, it's a stealth mission to basically find Leia and get her off while also having Tala who pretty much pretty much uses like her imperial cover to pretty much like save Obi-Wan pretty much like keep everybody else distracted and give him coordinates to Leia and and they managed to escape but uh not before some things happen in between uh you want to go into that so Tala eventually loses her cover because she kind of has to reveal herself in order to get them from torturing Leia in the meantime, Obi-Wan, he walks into this uh, just separate room chamber, and we see just a bunch of pots, and we're like, wait a minute, what's going on? And then it's just like a whole bunch of corpses. So I, I wasn't big on a lot of Star Wars, the uh, Clone Wars uh, TV shows or Rebels, uh, just like catching up because it's just a lot of episodes. But apparently there are a lot of fan favorite characters that were like in those pods instead. Yeah, they they all got murdered. But that's kind of like the appeal of this show is like if you're deep into the lore, like you'll notice characters and they even name drop like a few other characters in the show as well. And you're just like, Hold up. Did, so, so this person is still alive. We're talking about Quinlan here, who was mentioned in episode uh, three. But in uh, in this one, you see just a bunch of yeah, say Clone Wars era Jedi who all who all got murked, and you even see some younglings in there as well. Yeah. They're just like, mm. unfortunately. But yeah, during that, we also just get to see Leia's kind of courage in a sense because she wouldn't die out the rebels. Um, but we also see, like, one of the Rebels, which is really cool, we have is Roken, who is Ice Cube's son, which is pretty, pretty dope when I first saw him. He looks too much like his daddy. I mean, not to lie, but, yeah, Roken, he's pretty much was, uh, you know, like, one of the leaders of this little, uh, this little mini crowd of Rebels, and he pretty much said, like, oh, uh, if you, you need our help, you got it. And he got, like, two people to help save Obi-Wan and Tala and Leia when they all got their identities exposed at Fort at Fortress Inquisitus. Well, he had like one of the silliest uh disguises to get him and Leia out. So Obi-Wan he had a cloak on and he literally just wrapped it around Leia. Well, we're not gonna talk about just how how nobody spotted that. No, okay, I can get the stormtroopers because their aims are horrible. So I'm assuming it has something to do with the helmet. It apparently it doesn't fit or fit right or something. But no way anybody else not hear that, not see that. That's wow. And then so they managed to escape. And Vader once again is on demon time. He literally walks in the room. He's like, "You incompetent third sister. I told you if you fail me again, you're going to die." Like, you go catch these forced hands, and forced hands she caught because she got a forced choke to the neck. But unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately for her, she had a, she had plans upon plans. She was like the Sosuke Aizen of this show. Oh, because her plan was like, okay, 
That didn't work out, but I have a bug on Lola's droid named Lola, and it's going to track their position, and, and like, we can, as soon as they land upon their base, we just go after them, and Vader was actually impressed. Right. And then we get into episode five, which, in my opinion, probably was the best episode of the season. Either that or three. Um, six was definitely fire, but three, three and five definitely had like emotional connections and like story development that was like shocking. Um, but from there, we kind of just see, okay, they're trapped in the base all of a sudden um, since the tracker was on there. But then we really get into kind of Reva's backstory. So it turns out, and actually, I'm actually about to go on a rant now because all of y'all, <laughs> I said it in the first episode, we have to give it time. On our very first podcast, I said we have to give the character time. We don't know how it's going to develop yet. Turns out she was actually a young man the entire time, and her whole plot was to take down Vader to get close. And everyone was like, oh, no, the third sister this, the third sister that. She's annoying, but she had, like, the best character development in the entire show. So, like, we find out that her plan is to take down Vader. And Obi-Wan, who is... I'm going to get into Obi-Wan later, but Obi-Wan sets her up <laughs> for failure. And he's like, yo, if Anakin comes for me, he won't be able to see you. And actually, actually, in episode five, it's really cool. We have a flashback throughout the entire show of him fighting Anakin when he's actually younger. In yes, yes. And which is really great because, of course, you see more of Hayden Christensen, even though uh, apparently they're... I don't know if they used any de-aging at all and somehow failed or anything, but you still see his wrinkles, but that's neither here nor there. But uh, being able to see like the interaction between Obi-Wan and Anakin pre-episode two, and seeing like, okay, you see their friendship, which you, which we got hints at in the movies, but we see more of in the show, but also being able to see like, okay, a, he's pretty much teaching Anakin the lesson of there's more ways to fight than with just the lightsaber. Mm-hmm. You may be superior there, but that, but that don't mean you get to win the war. And and pretty much like all that entire flashback is setting up what happens later in the episode. Mm-hmm. But it's also it goes to show like all right, Vader's mentality because you've seen like. All, all this time, like, he's thinking about Obi-Wan, and I'm pretty sure, like, he's going back, he's rethinking, like, all the good times they had, and then, and, and then the dark side is pretty much feeding him, like, pretty much the worst moments yeah. of his life, and that's all feeding into it, and that's what's making him so tunnel vision for Obi-Wan. Yes. For, for right reasons, in, in my opinion, like, if I was Vader, I'd do the same thing, and I ain't even gonna cap. Uh, he tried to warn him about the high ground, but he didn't want to listen. <laughs> I mean, hey, it is what it is. But going from there, we get into a incredible Vader scene. So um, we see that Reva, after uh, Obi-Wan quote-unquote gives himself up, Reva is like, hey, Vader, we have him inside. Go see him. So when we, when they go, when Vader by himself walks into it, we see the kind of the escape ship taking off. Vader proceeds to, to take the entire ship and put it and land it, yanks it down mid-flight, tears it apart using the force by itself before it kind of take another ship takes off. We're gonna have a force discussion later. But the but it kind of plays into like oh you're so focused on this you can't pay attention to anything else, and then from there, 
Vader decides to give the hands and the lightsabers to Reva. Look, look, that moment. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That is perhaps one of the biggest moments in the show because you're just like, Reva. Reva, you picked of all times. I'm I'm gonna get into the wars later, but but you that is the worst moment you could have picked to fight this man, because he you see that Obi-Wan escaped his grasp. He used almost a lot of effort, or probably no effort whatsoever, considering how he pulled that thing down. Right. But he is fuming. And you decide that's the moment you want to kill him? Oh, nah, he's going to show you these this work. But how she did it didn't even make sense because, like, she could have. Here's like multiple options. She could have just walked up, she could have stuck the lightsaber directly out towards him and just hit the button to like release the blade. And it would have went straight through. Instead, she like holds it up, and you know the lightsaber always hums. Like, when it, like, it makes a noise when it unseeps, and then it hums. So it's a very noisy weapon. Two, Vader also, like, he can feel people with the Force, so he felt her murderous intent, like, the entire time. And then three, like, why wouldn't you have, like, why wouldn't you already have Obi-Wan, like, right there, you know? And then he escapes later, because, like, when he walks in and he sees the ship double escape, he's like, oh, something's up. So, like, they set me up, essentially. So that was just, like, dumb on her part. And then she tries to fight him, and he literally just beats her with the Force. And then... Sidestep God, that's what he was. He, he was dodging them with lightsaber strikes like they were nothing. Literally, the Matrix, he was like, just lift it up, lift it down, move over. Then he took her uh, Inquisitor lightsaber, broke it in half, tossed her half. He was like, if you want to try, go ahead. And then he proceeds to just absolutely body her. But, again, to the point of, like, leaving people for dead, like, he wouldn't check that. I know, like, she's not that important to him. And even then we see the Grand Inquisitor come back, uh, who apparently wasn't dead either. Nope. But he just, like, he puts the lightsaber through and then he just walks off. I mean, Ace, look, in terms of, like, Star Wars canon, right, uh, when it comes to people getting stabbed with the lightsaber, we know one person who pretty much had that happen to him and die, and that was Spygon. So I'm pretty sure, like, he, as you said, like, he does not care about her at all. He just, you know, I'm just gonna stab you, leave you for dead. If you die, you die. Uh, so, and he knows that, like, yeah, I can handle you. You know that I can handle you. <laughs> Light work. You, yes, you were literally my lightweight. You were, you were breakfast for me. <laughs> and and now all I'm thinking about is, okay, let's get back on the Kenobi train. Mm-hmm. Back to Kenobi. That's all, that's all this is about with him. And did you notice how he never pulls out his lightsaber for that fight? Oh, that is true. Because he does take her because he has the, the Inquisitor lightsaber. Yes, yeah. that's, that's how how she feels about it like she is so disrespected she's such trash i don't need my lightsaber to to beat you to death Mm -hmm. i'm using yours and then from there we go to episode six here we go with episode six so with this uh the rebels are on the run and pretty much uh and of course tala well she dies in episode five Mm -hmm. and and pretty much obi-wan's like okay in this last-ditch effort, I'm going to separate myself from all of you so that way you can escape because I know that Darth Vader, a.k.a. Anakin, he's going to gun for me. So, and of course, everybody protests this, but Obi-Wan does it anyway. And 
and pretty much he leaves to like he leaves leaves their ship pretty much takes the like a separate ship and goes to this barren planet with a bunch of rocks on it and and of course like as he predicted vader gun for this man he's like prep my ship i'm going personally yeah and then we get into a really there's a lot of jumping back and forth in this episode which i didn't necessarily like but we do see that they have the one v one the one moment where they like obi-wan is finally like he's found his resolve in a sense throughout the fight and it's such an incredible lightsaber fight yes it's perhaps like it rivals in my opinion uh the anakin obi-wan fight in episode three mm. in terms of just like not only the spectacle of it but the emotional impact within it which we're going to get into in a bit but essentially like essentially like obi-wan like he he does find the resolve to to pretty much take down vader and he does well but unfortunately his resolve wasn't all the way there yet mm-hmm. until he pretty much well, he pretty much loses the high ground. <laughs> I wanted him to say it so bad. And yeah, but um, uh, Vader got the high ground in that fight and decides to bury him under rubble. And that, and like him being reminded of Leia and Luke, that's what sparks Obi-Wan to come come back with his full force abilities. And, just, and for me, I was like, so actually this would have been a perfect time for Qui-Gon to pop in, but you know what? I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> yeah, and then mentioning Luke in the parallel time, apparently, this is really weird how it kind of turned out towards the end, but Reva, the third sister, she heads back to Tatooine and her entire goal is to kill Luke, uh, baby, well, child Luke. And so she's hunting uh loop down so she's going to owen as well as baru uh so she finds them and then there's kind of like throughout the scene she's fighting the two of them uh essentially defeats them but her only goal is to kind of capture and kill luke and throughout that sh- there's also character development because she has an opportunity and then she realizes the parallels between her and anakin and she chooses to instead just let him be Yep, and which is like a really great moment, and it, it dovetails like to the end of the episode. But but returning back to that uh to the ultimate fight between Obi Wan and Vader, as at, at this point now, Obi Wan he he decides enough is enough. And what I liked about that fight is that of course he's using all his force abilities. You know he's tossing rocks at Vader. He's He's just tossing Vader around, but he's also using Anakin's lightsaber style within that fight as well. And I'm just like, hey, yo, we're basically watching Anakin versus Vader. And I'm just like, wait, I'm I'm actually kind of here for it. And then, and of course, the fight ends when he slashes Vader's helmet and you finally see his face. And just the pain and emotion of that moment, because you do realize that that's his friend. And like, even in episode three, he literally says, you were my brother. Um, and you kind of just feel it. And he's like, the guilt, he starts to cry of old one. He's like, man, I really wish you wouldn't have become the Sith Lord. And oh my gosh, does Vader drop uh, a gem? He goes, I am not your failure. I, you did not kill Anakin. Dark Vader killed Anakin. Like, Anakin does not exist anymore. Yeah, yeah. And this was an ultimate moment because, like, at that point, he, re- 
Obi-Wan realizes that Anakin is truly dead. And in, and in my opinion, I actually think like that was actually a moment where uh, Anakin kind of came out a little bit to give that little slight resolve to Obi-Wan. It's like, hey, don't, don't like just he pretty much placing all that guilt that Obi-Wan had just onto himself and then retreats right back into beta mode. Right. And that's just like my way of looking into that scene. But then but then like he just Obi-Wan just leaves him. And you get one of the best screams of my life from Vader, where he just screams Obi Wan's name twice. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, this 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 rivals when uh Maul did in the Clone Wars show. Obi Wan. Yeah. So just even with that, it kind of goes back. This is my point with Obi Wan. It's like, so he he kind of essentially left the third sister to die. Because, like, that plan failed, absolutely. But then you also leave the Sith Lord. And I get that Anakin is his friend, but, like, at that point, he recognizes that. He even says that, oh, so my friend is dead. Why do you let Darth Vader live and commit even more atrocities from there? I know why in the bigger picture, obviously, you have to have, like, you can't kill Darth Vader because episodes uh, four, five, and six happen. So, yeah, but still... Or it, and then like just an in universe, I think it's because like he just still can't bring himself to kill him. Like it's like even though he's a full stiff like he's gonna have like he would have to look Anakin right in the eyes as he's killing him, and I don't think Obi Wan can do that. Which makes sense, and yeah, matches character wise. So just like wrapping up from there, somehow Kenobi is able to get back to Tatooine in the same time where Reva is wrapping up with Luke, which kind of. They didn't really explain the timeline of that, but essentially Reva, she no longer becomes an Inquisitor. She goes on her own journey, uh, and then Kenobi starts to, you know, everything wraps up and Kenobi goes on his uh, feral tour as well, but we also get a very cool moment at the end. Yep, yep. We get we get to see Obi-Wan, well, firstly, you see Obi-Wan talking with Leia one more time, and that was, like, super emotional for me because, like, because that actress for Leia, she she gave like one of the greatest performances with her face with her face she and her image because like as obi-wan's pretty much describing like her characteristics that she got from her mother and her father you see just a giant smile and just see everything on her face and then you see you hear leia's like theme song from the original trilogy trilogy in the background just like Oh my goodness, y'all didn't have to do this. Right. But but yeah, duck on that, Obi-Wan goes back to Tatooine. He he finally gets to meet Luke and he utters the line that we all have been trying to hear him say, which is Hello there. <laughs> and then we also see him meet Qui-Gon, who's been trying to reach out to the entire time from the start of the show as the force. So Liam Neeson's still getting a bag. Yep, he always will be. And then also, and then at the same time, Vader is pretty much having a discussion with the Emperor, Emperor Palpy. And and um unfortunately, like and Palpatine just shows like, just how much of dominance he has over Vader. He's like, hey. Mentally, yeah. Yeah, man. He's just like, hey, I, I don't think you got your whole heart into this, my boy. Yeah. Um, I think you forgot what you came here to do. I need to get you get we, your head in the game. Yeah, we need to get you right back on track. He's like, nah, nah, nah. Nah, 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 you don't have to worry about me, Master, because Obi-Wan means nothing to me. Which was clearly a lie, but yes. 
Yeah, but that's pretty much the show and just how amazing it was. Yeah, so going from there, we can get into our awards and also the tiers of the show. So now we're getting into our awards for Obi-Wan. We have our suits ready, suited and booted, get the award music. Let's let it play. So, for our very first award, there is no one else that can get this award. The spotlight is yours. We have to give it to Vader. The moment he stepped on the scene in episode three, everyone lost their mind. And then he was pure Vader time the entire time. We just begged for Vader. We It even made us want to like have a Vader spinoff of its own. Like, 100%, every time he stepped on the screen, every time we heard the breathing... It was time. It was Vader time. Spotlight is yours. Seth Ford Vader, please come get your award. And yes, 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 thank you, Lord Vader. And our next award is the biggest idiot award goes to none other than Rayla the Third Sister. Please come on down for just your display and your lack of judgment in episode five for trying to run Vader's pocket when Vader was probably at his most pissed. And you, and again, you, you did it at the worst timing, you, and you thought you could have fought the chosen one. And you knew he was the chosen one. And you still tried to run his pocket this way. Nah, nah, please come, come down, Rayba. Get, get this biggest edgy award. So, for our next award, this is the jump out of your seat moment. I would have to go... So, this is the moment that literally makes you just, like, lose your mind, jump out of your seat. I have to go with Vader in Episode 5, when you landed a plane by yourself using the Force and absolutely tore it apart. Vader was not playing and then going into the biggest issue award, uh, absolutely destroyed Reba. So, jump out of your seat, Vader... Step up again, come come get this award. Now, our next award is the Please Die Award. This is where a person pretty much does something either incredibly stupid or anything like that, and they just they just needed to die. And for my uh choice. We have to give it to the kidnapper of Princess Leia, Vect. Firstly, you kidnapped the Princess of Alderaan, thinking there would be no consequences. Then you tried to run Obi-Wan's pockets. And then you tried to talk smack to both Reva and the Grand Inquisitor. And, and rightfully so, the Grand Inquisitor ended you so badly they could not show it on screen <laughs> so vet please come down and get your please die award for next award we have the rock lead drop the weights award so this is for a moment where someone powers up unexpectedly and shows their true form. So I have to go in episode six, when Obi-Wan finally untapped the full power of the force, lifted boulders up, held it, 
and in his entire glory and tossed it at Anakin Darth Vader, absolutely pelting him. He dropped the weights. He showed that he was a true Jedi Master. So please get this award, everyone. And then for our final award, it is the Goated Award. What else is there to be said? You just the GOAT, the greatest of all time, Lord Vader, Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker. I know you don't like being called that name anymore, but please come down and get your GOATED award because you're just, because without you, Star Wars wouldn't happen. So please get, come get this award. Now, with our award ceremony finished, we're going to get into our tiers. So do you want to read it off for the people? Uh, yes. So in terms of our tiers, we have the youngling tier, which is pretty much the bottom barrel. And then you have our stormtrooper tier, which is slightly above that. Then after that, you got your Padawan tier, which is kind of your C tier, kind of mid, almost mid, middle of the road. Then you get your Jedi Master, who's the B tier. Then you get your Grand Inquisitor, which is the A tier. And then finally, the Sith Lord for S tier. Now, what would you give this series? For me, I was definitely flipping back and forth between Grand Inquisitor and Jedi Master. I think there was a bigger... If it was a solely, like, within itself, I was definitely going to give it a Grand Inquisitor. But looking at the bigger picture, I kind of had to give it Jedi Master. Which brings to the B tier, and it's a perfectly suitable TV show. You can rewatch it multiple times, a lot to talk about, and just enjoy yourself. So that's what matters. Nice, nice. And then for myself, I have to give it the Grand Inquisitor tier. Because of the fact of just, if you're a true, like, Star Wars fan, you're going to love just... The interconnected story between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader, and you are just gonna enjoy it throughout. But yes, it has a great story, and you can rewatch it for days on end, which is what matters. So I give the Grand Inquisitor Award. Nice. So going from there, it's time to just kind of put our scuba gear back on. It's time for the deep dive. So from here, we're gonna get into the current impact and future of Star Wars. So just going from there, why do we love this so much? Oh my goodness. All right. So I've been thinking about this one for a big minute. Actually, ever since I saw it as a kid, I was like, why do I like this so much? It's because it's it's pretty much like a, it's an amazing story. And like the world building in it from George Lucas is absolutely insane. It like because of that, you can identify with literally any character in the show and you get to see like their arcs and whatnot. And one of the biggest things like I kind of see in the show is just like, okay, there's of course the duality of the light and the dark, but then at the end of it, like you're starting to see like, okay, there are more like shades of gray within there as well. Like, especially during the prequels, like you see people turn to the dark for good reasons. Mm -hmm. And then people in the light who are pretty much doing uh, pretty sketchy things and you're just like, yeah, that's pretty much how reality is. Like, nobody's exclusively good or exclusively evil, uh, unless your name is Sheev Palpatine. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, it's like one of those stories where you can connect with anybody, with any character. It's a great sci-fi fantasy. And, and, of course, who 
who doesn't like having a lightsaber and just going and thinking about just, man, if I had the force, how much would that make my life so easier? I could like grab this thing, bring it to my hands or push things and do just do all types of wild stuff with it. But yes, why do you think uh, we love it so much? Well, one, I love what you mentioned about the force um, in a bigger conversation. I think moving forward or just kind of like with things that I want to see is it's like the light side and the dark side of the force. But like, I don't think they have fully explored like the in-between of the force as much as they possibly could. But even for me, like, yeah, lightsaber battles are incredible. Like you just like hear it, it's whirring, that's a soft sound and just like that that hum and then like absolutely incredible obviously yoda is like a big influence it's like his speech pattern and just like awesomeness of him but again exploring those different worlds i think that's something that especially in the time that it came out it's something that seeing different planets in a different sense in terms of not like it just being oh aliens scary but like oh alien civilizations and how we interact is something that's also appealing as we go to the stars and then also something that i definitely have to give credit to in all the movies when you see in a galaxy far far away and just like the screen rolling up that there's just the text of it and reading it like that was such a creative and incredible decision to make because you it automatically forces you to lock in so that's like another incredible piece of it yeah yeah and also like as it said about like the force and just like how it was how you think like it can be explored more it's like i think like the at least in terms of the disney side of it because as we all know there are two different canons with star wars there's the disney canon then there's the legend slash expanded universe canon which which the expanded universe is what i grew up with uh just letting you all know and is actually in my opinion my preferred canon uh, but like it definitely like you definitely like see just so much expansion throughout and see like you just see a lot of different concepts, different uh, avenues and ways to just insert yourself into the Star Wars mythos if you wanted to. Yeah, and like Star Wars Visions was incredible to watch. Uh, it's like different anime studios got together and created just like their own little tellings and stories of Star Wars tales. And uh, some of those, I was like, give these their own, like, episodes because some of them were incredible. And I think, like, exploring the dark side of the forest or just, like, the in-between and different stories is definitely something that I'm interested in, too. But as we go deeper and kind of more explanation of the Star Wars, what Star Wars movie do you believe is the best? Between the trilogies and the spinoffs. Okay. All right. So it's it's time. All right. So okay. So in my opinion, I actually have like two, which I think are kind of like the best in my opinion. Like two that are on equal footing. That is Episode Five, Empire Strikes Back, and Episode Three, Revenge of the Sith. Mm. And the reason I choose both of those is for oh obviously so for episode five of course it's like one of the darker stories especially as a sequel you see the main characters lose you get you see vader in all his glory just being vader being a complete total menace and then you see uh and of course you get the awesome reveal the the reveal that is so legendary that i believe everybody including their mother knows i am your father Incredible. And then, of course, episode three has like some of the best lightsaber choreography. 
it has some of the most meme-worthy lines <laughs> in the entire Star Wars uh, series. I am the Senate. <laughs> and then, and then of course, just like some of the more emotional scenes in the series, as well as the emotional impact of finally seeing when Anakin fully turns into Darth Vader and the emotional connection within that, which I'm like, was super invested in. So for me, I have to give it like to both of those in a complete package. Yeah, I think Revenge of the Sith is like the first Star Wars movie that I actually saw in theaters. I remember my dad taking me and that being such a good time. But for me, my favorite one, and a lot of people are about to feel some type of way because it's not in the trilogies, but Rogue One by far is the best movie in Star okay. Wars, in my opinion. Okay. Um, like it's a realistic ending where it's like it's it's really devastating of an ending, but it's like okay, you see how it sets up everything that happens for the initial trilogy. Um, but also just like the character is incredible. They had Ip Man. I am one of the Force of Forces one with me. Um, just great characters all around. It like it was a sensible story. They explored the galaxy, um, which. Kind of the shows i think i feel like limited in terms of doing that but it's just like incredible and like the ending i was like yo it's not like a oh happy go lucky ending it's just like yo it's devastating but we accomplished what we set out to do it and everyone gave such a great performance in my opinion so rogue one to me it's like easily the best movie out of all of them and i like how we, we picked the three movies that had some of the darkest most dour endings it's just like yeah well i obviously can't give it to the new trilogy for different yeah. reasons but it was just like it wasn't like uh oh a, a cliche it yeah. was like this would actually happen that's how it would go down so yeah yep yep so going from movies now we transition into shows best star wars show I'm, I'm, of course, I'm gonna have to give it to the Clone Wars. Like the the Clone Wars CGI show, like it is it is such an amazing series, and I always go back to it. I always rewatch that show from start to finish. More so in like because I have a list of like watching the episodes in chronological order, mm-hmm. and I watch it like that, which may not be preference for some. It it has so many great moments, so many characters. Seeing like so many plot lines come in, it's introduction of Ahsoka Tano, one of the greatest characters. Yeah. And then also returning Darth Maul and seeing him return rise to as a spider, but rise to greatness from his pretty uh interesting and lackluster performance in episode one and just seeing him become a whole menace in of itself. I'm like, yes, this show is great. And plus and then finally, it also makes Anakin's fall to the dark side less of a just him jumping off the cliff into darkness and more of a slippery slope type of deal because you see him compromise more and more and tap into the dark side slightly more into the show. Yeah, I think objectively speaking, that probably is the best and most important of the... It kind of connects almost everything that happens in the Star Wars, but for me, my favorite show is The Mandalorian. Um, there's a reason why in the book of Boba Fett they gave an entire episode to Mando. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's just like the Mandalorian is so good. Um, I won't say the name of Baby Yoda just for people that haven't watched it, but there's a reason, like, 
it like it ties into the nostalgia but it doesn't rely on nostalgia yeah. which i absolutely love so like it explores new characters it brings in like really famous actors and stuff like that even if it's like for a one-off episode or it's like a kind of like when bill burr came up i remember everybody <laughs> the people i was watching were like bill burr's in this but he did an absolutely great performance especially in like uh season two but mandalorian is like incredible so oh, yeah, that, this is the way it, yep yep 100 goaded uh i I, I love my son in that show, and that, that is completely my favorite of the live-action ones. So now we get into our last happy-go-lucky topic before we really get into it, but who are your top five characters? All right, here we go. This... Oh, yes, and just to clarify, this is our top five characters, not the top five characters of Star Wars. There's a difference. Yes, so as I said, like, as he's mentioned earlier, like, this is where we pretty much talk about, like, our favorite characters. If these people may not be your favorite characters, that's totally fine. Hey, in fact, send in like who y'all's favorite characters are on our social media and we'll maybe be able to feature that. But in terms of me, my top five, in no particular order, mind you, because I love all these guys equally, we have Obi-Wan Kenobi, Grandmaster Luke Skywalker mm. from the Expanded Universe, not what happened to him in the sequel trilogy, that ain't Luke Skywalker, <laughs> but him from the books and everything afterwards, that, that is just pure Luke gold. And like what happened? And then we have Din Djarin, AKA the Mandalorian. Oh. I was like, my boy had to be in there. You had Big Daddy Darth Vader. Yes. And then finally, who, who if there was a tier list, he might be at the top. Darth Revan, Knights of the Old Republic. If you know, you know. Yes, absolutely. And just, that's all I have to say. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, for me, I'm essentially kind of going in order, but starting with number one, our favorite great uh, Sith Lord, the greatest one of all time, we got Jar Jar Banks. Okay, so I'm actually joking, but I'm definitely Darth Vader and Anakin uh, slash Anakin Skywalker as my number one. Number two, Yoda. He is fire. Speech patterns. Oh, like the way he fights is absolutely incredible. Three, I'm cheating. I'm going Mando and Baby Yoda as one. So that's just an incredible group. Number four, Obi Wan, and then number five, I was tempted to put Luke Skywalker. But I, I haven't seen or read the books, kind of like the other canon as you've seen. So I'm going with Darth Maul as my number five. Because there's a reason in when we saw The Force Awakens and Kylo Ren, he did like the double blades. Well, essentially a blade hilt. We all freaked out because we immediately thought of Darth Maul and the double lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah, we sure did. Oh, man, that was... Whew. Ooh, that was a great list. That was a great list. Yes. So going from here... I'm, I'm going to put on my therapist glasses, pick up my notepad, and Mish on the other end. He's going to play the voice of the fans. So toxicity has struck again right when this episode started. Well, right when this show started. So, you know, Star Wars fans have had a lot of complaints. I'm not like a super, super into the extra canon stuff and some of the complaints that I've heard. So he's going to be the voice of the people. He's going to let loose. Are you ready? We are ready. Firstly, okay, so given to the first argument is, of course, the decanonization of the expanded universe. 
It's something that's been created by pretty much fans and was George Lucas approved all the way from when Star Wars premiered in 1978 all the way up to 2014 when Disney acquired Marvel. Or was it 2015? It doesn't matter uh, because Disney had had kind of started wilding out as soon as they acquired it. And they're like, oh yeah, all that stuff you loved back in the day, you know, your Knights of the Old Republic, your The Force Unleashed, oh, the the uh the entire like D and D board game, D and D game, all of that jazz, the Old Republic MMO, yeah, we striking all that from canon, and. And of course, it was in line to like, okay, we're going to just like tell new stories and whatnot. I feel like, listen, fam, so you're just going to take out like Kyle Katorn, the man who actually got the Death Star plans, mm-hmm. and and uh, you want to just, just tell a new story about Rogue One? Like, okay, I, I appreciate Rogue One. I actually like it. Uh, it's just like, you, you're pretty much like making a lot of past stories feel like kind of meaningless especially in comparison to 7, 8, and 9 and speaking of 7, 8, and 9 my boy firstly you gonna have Kylo Ren be a be a watered down a uh a complete and total rehash of Darth Kytus in the expanded universe Darth Kytus was handled so much better than this edgelord mm. Because at least he had a good reason to turn to the dark side and was a hero. And you did not mischaracterize Luke Skywalker. The, the entire sequel trilogy was a problem because you mischaracterized Luke. You mischaracterized a good portion of the old cast. Now, now Disney, I'm, I'm talking to you right now, fam. Don't get us canceled. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking to y'all. I'm talking to you, Kathleen Kennedy. Oh, boy. You need to calm down, all right? Now, let, let John Favreau just take over. Let, let the boys just do their thing, all right? Because you kind of... You kind of spiraled everything out of control, giving us, like, a lot of characters who are, like, either mischaracterized or they're kind of like not well liked to begin with, and you're just and you just keep trying to like push it in people's faces, trying to make it seem like uh, you want them, and really you don't. Really, we don't. And you're just like, okay. So like, where are the missteps? Where is the missteps there? So uh, I'm gonna need like a whole team to go and re-examine y'all's priorities. Um, we're striking seven, eight, and nine from the from the history books. Because for me, my personal canon, it goes like this. It goes uh, everything like Old Republic. Basically, I'm treating it like, okay, this we're going to treat like the Disney series, Disney stuff as canon. We're striking 7, 8, and 9 from the record. And then whatever hasn't been contradicted by the uh, new stuff, we're putting the old uh, expanding universe content back in, fam. We are getting death troopers, all right? I need my, my stormtrooper zombies, okay? We need them back in canon. We need my Revan. Well, actually, Revan got recanonized. I forgot, my bad, my bad. But that, that, was, that was one of the decisions I actually almost cried for. Thank you very much. But, uh, but yes, that's just the EU Disney side. 
Now, I actually want to get into the mischaracterization um, that you mentioned a lot. So, yes. explain Luke to me. Not no, me not having the expanded universe knowledge. Explain how he's mischaracterized. Okay, so when we see Luke, like from episodes four, five, and six, you see like him going from you know farm boy to Jedi, and then you cut to episode seven, and he seems to have isolated himself on a planet. He, well, he isolated himself. He's saying like, oh yeah, no, there's no, like we don't need Jedi anymore. Like all the Jedi need to be erased. But probably like the biggest thing for me is the fact that he tried to murder Kylo Ren just because he had a vision, a dream that there was dark side in him. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you doing that, but it seems like you don't remember the fact that your daddy Yo, Daddy Vader committed so many war crimes, so many atrocities, yet you redeemed him, but you're not going to afford the same will to your, to basically your uh, nephew. But that is just mischaracterization to a T. And then in the expanding universe, however, he pretty much like, pretty much you see him exactly like how he was, like an expansion of how he was in episode six. So like, he's pretty much like a Jedi, we're pretty much doing Jedi things, he's reopening the academy. And here's the best part, he's teaching them that like, he's basically teaching them that the ways of the old Jedi, like their whole dogma about like having no relationships and all that jazz, that that stuff was wrong mm. and that you could actually, uh, like you can form attachments, you can have relationships, and you can use the dark side of the force as long as you don't let it consume you. And in the expanded universe, you all know he got married to Mara Jade Skywalker and actually had a kid. And and yes, yeah, so like it pretty much just lets you and even when his wife died at the hands of Darth Kytus, and you think like, okay, this is the moment where he's gonna kill him. He still tried to redeem his nephew. Oh, but oh, but in in episode eight, he just has a dream that he's gonna turn to dark side, and that was enough to kill him. Okay, that like really helps because I thought, because not knowing that, like it makes sense now. Because okay, he was happy go lucky, and I was like, when they brought him in, he was like, okay, it, we kind of talked about again the last samurai, uh, a Ronin type character, a lone gunslinger who is like now isolated. Um, he was responsible essentially for causing Kylo Ren to turn to the dark side. Mm -hmm. And with that, um, he feels that responsibility, so now he feels guilty and he steps aside. So for me, not knowing all that, it's like, okay, why would you get so mad? But knowing the fact that you did mention he redeemed his dad, that was his whole, like, art of redeeming his dad in the end. And then to, like, yeah, again, take out Kylo Ren. But also, now that you mention it, um, in terms of, like, the dark side of the force and like how the dogma in the mandalorian where he's with baby yoda mm -hmm. and he's talking about relationships you can't be it so i see how that's like tied in of like oh it's much more interesting when you do have those relationships rather than just like oh the relationships make you weak and turn mm -hmm. to the dark side of the force mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep yep and uh in fact like a big moment that uh I can see like with Luke, especially like in the old like expanded universe, was during this thing called the Yuzhan Vong War, which we need the Yuzhan Vong back in canon because they were absolute monstrosities. I'm not even gonna lie. 
to look them up later, or I'll explain to you after we jump off. But because uh, we're not going to get the the entire thing with them, but essentially, like in that moment, we see that uh, like Luke's pretty much he's doing he is working together with dark side users in order to like fight against the Yuzhan Bong. He's and also he fights a little crafty and entity called Abeloth. Again, we're not going to get into her because, oh my goodness, she is a problem. Put her back in canon, please. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so like with the Yuzhan Bong and everything like that, he, like he's one of the few people who can use Force Lightning and not succumb to the dark side. He's one of the few people who like teaches the, he teaches the people like, again, you don't, like, don't let the dark side consume you. Like, both sides of the force, it's neither inherently good nor evil. It's just how you use it and whether you let it control you. Yes. Which is pretty much like, yes, that's basically how life works. Like, people think like, oh, yeah, guns are evil. Like, no, technically they're not. It's just who uses them and, like, how you use them. That's what determines the good or evil value of it. Yes. I'm, like, I'm really... I, what I want to see next is really explore the Force, because I feel like in 7, 8, and 9, they kind of missed the opportunity to do that. But it's like you said, it's like, okay, light side of the Force, dark side of the Force, you tap into it, okay, like I had no choice but to full time. Like, even in the later ones where he's with uh, Ray, mm-hmm. and she like, she, like, goes to it, and he's like, oh, you immediately went to the dark side of the Force. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is, like, again, duality in people, and the Force, how they... They use they treat it as like this this entity that like only has like certain options where it's not like but it's also sometimes a tool that you can use and I think there's like a indecisiveness on how they want the force to actually be. Yep, yep. And I think like that was kind of a, a reason why the whole like why I kind of somewhat did not like the Disney striking everything from canon because like okay. If you're going to do that, make sure you have step-by-step plan on how to address everything that like the EU did and like but doing like in a different, maybe even like sometimes more interesting fashion, because I'm not gonna lie, expanded universe, it got way too big for its own good. And there's been like a ton of like contradictions within there and right. all that good jazz. And but at, but at least like some character like journeys all remain the same. Like those were like some of the consistent things. Unfortunately, as I said, like Disney, like they kind of fumbled the bag with that. Um, they, as you said, like they did not explore the force as in depth as as everything else did. Like you don't see like stuff like force fire mm-hmm. in in canon or or things like. Uh, stealth, like force stealth, force camouflage, or things of that nature, or or just ripping star destroyers out of the sky, looking at you, Star Killer. <laughs> but but yes, or but like the best thing they did was like in Rebels when they talked about uh I think Bindu or something like that, where he was just the it's like hey, I'm just doing will of the force. That's that's all there is to it, mm-hmm. and that's that's pretty much it when it comes to that, but. That's where, like, most of my frustrations come from. But the real frustration comes from the fandom. Mm. And now it's time where I go in on people. Here we go. 
let me get get on all of you uh star wars like mega aficionados gatekeepers all of that jazz like you guys say like oh yeah we can't it's like oh we uh want to enjoy everything like all right we hate disney with a passion like let it all burn and but like and anybody who loves the new trilogy they're fake fans and then they're like they are not worthy and they don't and they don't know like how good they have it with the expanded universe and whatnot i'm just like all right y'all need to calm down all right because i like the expanded universe and i don't like like well, most of my problems lies with the sequel trilogy. Everything else in between, before that, like episode six backwards, I think they've been doing a fine job with. But you guys seem to treat like the sequel trilogy as a complete and total cancer. And anybody who likes it is, is cancerous as well and should be uh, pretty much struck down. But really, like, think about this. Back in the day, the prequel trilogy was the most hated. Mm-hmm. And anybody who thought, they thought like the prequel trilogy was good, they got all the scorn and hate. And and like, I'm pretty sure, and now you're doing the same thing with the sequel trilogy, but I bet a lot of you prequel, prequel trilogy lovers who got all the scorn and hate are now doing the same thing to the sequel trilogy people. Here's the thing, at the end of the day, we all love Star Wars. We're all Star Wars fans. Some people more than others, we get that. But don't treat like your love for a certain fandom as superiority to another. And going along with that, even like with now with the new Disney canon, right? If and you're seeing something that like you do not like, but you're you're like the way you're expressing it is through death threats, racism and just a whole bunch of -of out-of-pocket nonsense, I feel like at this point, you are misrepresenting Star Wars and you're pretty much doing more damage to the brand than good. Sure, there have been missteps with how things have been done in the new canon and with Disney, and I know it and I acknowledge it, but I'm not gonna go out of my way to tear people down who may love it because, hey, that's what they grew up on and they have a lot of the, and that's what their experiences are. Imagine you growing up and you receiving a lot of the hate for, for like pretty much the prequel trilogy for all the expanded universe stuff, which I'm sure a lot of people have. Now, and why are you going to do the same thing to a new fan today? Yeah, so we like get into fandom versus fanaticism, uh, which is kind of evident in a lot of fan bases. But I think you made a really great point of, okay, yes, the gatekeeping occurs, but you are turning um, a lot of new people off. But one thing that I do want to say about that is that a lot of people that are like, you know, fighting on the front lines for Star Wars, y'all not getting paid by Disney or Star Wars. Thank you. You not you didn't create the show. And of course, yes, you have a right to love it, but at the same time, like they don't do what they want to do, regardless of if you complain or not, or like and you know, you're not getting paid by it. Again, like I said, so I it's to have that fear for it doesn't make any sense. Um and yeah, again, as like you you turn people off and something that you love, you can end up turning into toxicity, which is kind of what we saw 
on episode one of the show, like, which doesn't even make sense. Um, and as we got into uh, in earlier shows about just like how, you know, the new trilogy, which had its moments, like you can honestly say that. And there are definitely things we disagreed with because I was in the theater when we found out that Ray was Palpatine's granddaughter where people laughed out loud. And, but at the same time, you, you can appreciate it. So there's no reason for the toxicity regardless of that. So just moving forward, um, we can even get into just what's, what do we want to see next? Yeah. All right. All right. So now that I've had a chance to breathe and I've been, I had a chance to calm down a bit. I do think like what's next for Star Wars as you mentioned, just exploring more of the force. And I believe like that's a perfect time for what Tales of the Jedi should be about. It's just like exploring the force in more detail. And in my opinion, and but in my opinion, I think like the saga of the Jedi and whatnot, it's nice and all, but I wanna see everything else in the Star Wars universe first. Like Stuff like Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, it was amazing because we did not see, like, Jedi coming in and just wrecking shop, at least the entire show. We saw more of the underground and see more of that. Like, I want to see, like, more of the universe apart from the Jedi, apart from the Skywalkers, apart from the Force in and of itself. Let's tackle, like, again, bounty hunters, tackle... uh, other different like factions within the verse and things of that nature but yeah that's what i want to see next for me i kind of want to see yoda in his prime um i know like they tease in the mandalorian with like baby yoda is not actually yoda just to clarify but um the, that nostalgia i kind of want to see him in his prime i want to see like a character like that again i know uh, i didn't know that old republic wasn't canon well new canon now so i don't know if we'll see that but i would like to like kind of if it's like a alternate universe i mean they're doing what up but if they could do that that would be cool um post episode nine is kind of tricky but one thing i do want to see like you said just get away from the skywalker saga that's the one thing with uh obi-wan where it's like i couldn't give it an a because it was so handcuffed by the skywalker saga and you could tell um, in the midst between of episodes, but just get away from the Skywalker saga. Um, I'm interested to see how they handle man, uh, Andor um, and just like different new projects from there. But that's stuff I want to see. So now that we're done with our deep dive, we can get into our sponsor for the day. Today's sponsor of the day is the Midichlorian Alignment Test. Do you feel as if you are capable of moving objects on your own? seeing visions, or perhaps projecting lightning, please come take this midichlorian alignment test so that way you can know just how much you are in tune with the force and learn also whether or not you are part of the light, the dark, or the gray. So please come and take the midichlorian alignment test. All right, to our 50 listeners, um, we had a really great show today. Um, it was really hard for it. Definitely an expanded show getting into just Star Wars. There's so much more we could explore maybe at a later time. But I'm just starting to feel a bit a bit, a bit tense. So there's a, a dark force almost coming. I, I'm going to get out of here. I, I think it's time for the segment. Yes, it is time, our dear listeners, for the Black Air Force segment the black horse of the black side of the horse and the next entry 
on our list. Since it's Star Wars, it's none other than the big dog himself, the king, Darth Vader. He is an ultimate problem. If you have not guessed from our entire breakdown of this episode, he is a menace to society. Even as Anakin Skywalker, he was a menace, he, especially when he was a Jedi. He out here as the deuce Padme when there were clear signs she was not interested. And yet he still managed to secure the bag. I don't know how. And then there was the time during the Clone Wars series where he committed so many atrocities, it would be too much to mention. But a good uh, mention of that was when Obi-Wan faked his own death and Anakin went on the warpath. He nearly gave to the dark side right then and there when he found the suspected murderer and nearly killed him on sight. It was on sight for Anakin and that's basically a good description for him. It's always on sight whenever it comes to his ops. Now, episode three, of course he's doing his thing, you know. He, he decides to run up on Samuel Jackson and at a crucial moment, and you know how normally you're not supposed to run up on Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson runs up on you. He's a pure black Air Force in real life, but he managed to cut this man's arm off and get this man killed. Or did he? We don't know. But but yes, this is when Anakin decided to lace up the black Air Force suit and become Darth Vader. Because he no longer wears black Air Forces. He wears a whole suit made out of them. And as Darth Vader, he is a problem. I mean, raising a whole apprentice in the form of Starkiller and then betrays him numerous times in order to protect his cover. Cloned that dead apprentice and again tried to kill him multiple times. Yet forgot when he managed to torture Obi-Wan Kenobi. He tortures and not let's let's even get skip past that to when he tortures his own son. His own son, Luke. Even worse, he tortured his own daughter without realizing it was his own daughter. He still tortured her anyways. He does not care. He does not care about his alignments. He's trapping against everybody. His own Princess Ahsoka, he was ready to kill her. Run the fade. I don't know what else needs to be said. The man is a demon. He's a menace. And the fact that I am speaking in his praises, I'm doing so because I am terrified of him. I am scared that he will come to me and, and force choke me to death because that is his preferred method. Be careful not to choke on your aspirations. How hard of a bar is that? Him running the fate on all of the rebels. He's a monster. I don't know what else needs to be said. It's Darth Vader, just please. Come get your black air force, get your temp. No, get the whole thing. It's yours. Okay. And please let me join you as your new new apprentice. Yeah, so I mean, you could just easily collect that as the force. Um, that's incredible. Like he's definitely head of the round table in terms of that in Star Wars canon. Uh, just going from here, as we start to wrap up, we're going to hit you with some recommendations. So for me, I would say uh, recommendation, keeping it Star Wars for now, The Bad Batch is a really good show. Um, it takes place around Order 66, and it follows a group of clones that aren't necessarily like the others. It's a really good. Season 2 is coming soon. Rogue One, as I mentioned before, it's kind of it's a, it's a standalone movie of itself, not part of the OG trilogies, but it's really good. Mandalorian, definitely get, 
get in tune with that season three coming soon as well. And then just keeping it in terms of the stars interstellar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So in terms of like my recommendations, uh, if you're looking for something to read, definitely read star Wars death troopers. It is a great horror novel set in the Star Wars universe about a zombie apocalypse. And then at the same time, also go ahead and look at, go ahead and play games such as Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order on any of the current gen systems, as well as Star Wars The Force Unleashed, which just got a remaster on the Nintendo Switch. So please go cop a copy of that and then be on the lookout for Knights of the Old Republic remake, which should be coming within the next year or two. And it's going to be fire. If you love that game, it is it's going to be a sight to behold. And then finally, there's this new uh, fan-made game called Horse Combat by Last Jawa. You can look it up on YouTube, but it is definitely a game that seems to be a fighter in the same vein as Mortal Kombat, but you get to play as different force-wielding characters. Nice. And as we start to wrap up, next week is going to be our anime episode, so it's kind of going to be a Dip Your Chillin' introductory for a lot of people, kind of get them accustomed to anime um, and just have a really good time. In two weeks, we're going to have our Thor special episode, which again is going to be a big episode so start thinking of questions there um and different ways of interacting so after me just taking a breath you want to hit us with the plugs uh yes so of course our plugs includes our instagram and twitter at blurred city 22 b-l-e-r-d-c-i-t-y 22 we also have our youtube which is blurred city pod which is a place where you can listen to and then if you want to support us financially in any way possible, you can subscribe to our Patreon at Blurred City Pod. It's where you can find exclusive episodes. And in fact, by the time you're hearing this, we may or may not have had an episode dedicated to an anime called Trapped in a Dating Simulator. So please support us there and check out the exclusive content. We have our email at blurredcity22 at gmail.com. It's where you can sub, uh, submit your questions for the mega episode, as well as submit like your geek out freak outs or your random fan theories of the day. And then finally, if you want to just join an amazing community, uh, search up Blurred City under Discord because we have an amazing uh, system there where you can just hang out. We can chat up about any topic as well as be able to interact with one another. So please check us out on any of these platforms. Yeah, and just check out my individual author pages, my Instagram, Mitri underscore dash. So M-E-T-R-I underscore D-A-S-H on Twitter at the Matt Dash 16. So T-H-E-M-A-D-A-S-H 16. And if you want to check out my book, Phantom Pains and Most Irregular Tale, you can check out it check it out on Amazon. So as usual, we're gonna leave you with some words of encouragement. And yes, so our words of encouragement for me today is that life does not come in strict black and white. In terms of everything, like in people motivation, no one is strictly good or evil. In fact, they may be just the protagonist of their own stories. Life comes in a shade of gray. Yes, and just for me, I would say don't let fear consume you or overtake you. Uh, that was a big theme that we saw in the movie 
the TV show, um, you don't need to let the past hold you hostage. And it's okay to forgive yourself sometimes. And also, just be a fan, not a fanatic. So, going from there, it's not goodbye forever, it's just goodbye for now. And that's the Blair City Pod. See ya later.